Welcome to Hacking Everything, the cultures and politics of hackers and software workers. This podcast invites researchers who study what it is to be a hacker or computer engineer or what it means to hack technical, individual, state or corporate powers. We will think through what the hack means and what hacking does to all of us. This is the second edition of this series, where we turned a regular old academic conference panel into a podcast. What conference, you ask? This episode was recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology conference in Madrid on July 7, 2022. So stay with us, your hosts, Paula Bialski, Matsi Oyala and me, Andreas Bischoff, as we throw out the PowerPoints and turn on the microphones and take you into the world of hacking. All right. Hi, Tim. Uh, so in this session, we welcome Tim. And I really struggle with <laughs> Collishaw. Exactly. Collishaw. Yes. Okay. Collishaw from Bau College of Arts and Design. It's in Barcelona, yes. I think. Yeah. And uh, your, dis uh, your kind of uh, paper thing, your contribution is called Tiny Tools and Little Loops, Software Art as Care-Fool software practice. Yes. And I this really speaks to me. I, I'm already extremely excited about this. So kind of like whether as a part of like a giant technology mega corporations or like open source software projects, uh, software developers are increasingly kind of responsible for uh, defining and building and maintaining the infrastructure of our social world. So uh, much of this, uh, let's say, critical and anthropological and let's say, STS, attention has been paid to the ways in which these, the cultures and practices of the software developers influence the materiality and like embedded politics of these infrastructures and then by extension, of course, everything there is in the world. So, Tim, your research focuses on giving kind of like more critical attention to software development uh, deployed to, let's say, like less instrumental ends, uh, in particular, like creative and artistic practices that use software as a medium. Mm. So, yeah, great. I mean, both of us, me and Matze, work on software developers and development, and we're really excited to have you here. Um, and I'm also, so let's start up with this concept of tiny, weird software. And I'd like to know a little bit more, what is this software? What's notable? What's interesting? Okay. And what's different about tiny, weird software than just like regular other software development programming or I guess hacker practices? Okay. Um, so the term tiny, weird software comes from a blog post by an artist and video game designer called Natalie Lawhead. Uh, um, look up or talk, 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 up, talk louder. Talk up, right. a little bit louder. <laughs> okay. Um, so Natalie Lawhead is an artist and computer game designer and um, a lot of her work, um, sorry, I'm really sorry, a lot of their work um, involves kind of these, these, these kind of small odd sort of desktop interventions. So um, things like you might remember from the... Um, from the kind of 90s and 2000s, these kind of prank programs that you would um, you would click and then it would make your mouse go the wrong way around or like the icons would run away from you and you would kind of install these on a friend's computer um, to play tricks on them. Things like desktop pets, which are kind of weird little companions that live on the, live on the screen. Um, computer viruses, in some sense, can be tiny weird software, I think they argue. Um, and stuff like um, kind of absurd social media bots that, um, that kind of make odd little interventions 
interventions in the kind of space of social media. So um, these are all things that Natalie Lawhead explores in in their own work. Um, and one of the things that's particularly interesting to me is that they're they're kind of deliberately useless. They're not uh, they're not things which are made to instrumental ends. And a lot of my my own work um, is around the role of use in software development and kind of. Uh, particular kind of ways of thinking about something that come from like Don Norman's user-centered design and the kind of role that this this sort of idea of instrumentality plays in in how we conceive of software. So looking at things from from this other like um, this other side um, of things that are explicitly made not to be useful, I found really interesting. Um, the second part of this is this use of the word tiny, which um, which is kind of unusual in kind of software worlds. You hear a lot, we'll talk about this, I imagine, a bit later on, um, but like you don't often hear about software being small. A lot of kind of professional software development practices um, are very preoccupied with this idea of scalability and scaling. So the idea of a, a software like object which is made to be tiny is interesting um and this uh this kind of recurs in a lot of these kind of communities of game devs and and software artists there's another artist called everest pipkin um who works with things like twitterbots and things like and software and games um oh i'm sorry one second let me yeah um one second who um who yeah runs a bunch of these sort of these Twitter bots, these sort of um, odd little sort of aesthetic interventions which appear on the timeline, and they tweeted earlier in earlier this year, um, all my remaining bots, just a few, run on little loops in the terminal on my laptop. If they don't tweet for a while, it's because my internet is out, or I went somewhere, or maybe I just forgot to restart them when I restarted my computer. I want the whole internet to work this way. And the thing that kind of um, drew my attention about this is it's uh, like it's not just a sort of statement of how things work, there's this kind of speculative quality to this idea of how, what an internet would look like if it worked along the same lines. Um, and so there's something, there's something interesting in the way these people are playing with scale as a way of kind of reimagining the way we live mm. with technology. But just for clarification mm. for our audience, can you tell everyone a little bit more about how you got into this and what is your field really? Because okay. it's hard to like kind of picture at the moment what your yes. field is. Yes, yeah, right, that makes sense. I'm going to have to change the order of my no notes. Worries. Let me no worries, no worries. So this isn't a kind of like substantive interest for me. Like it's, uh, um, it's something I'm approaching as... Like his methodology. So I'm in a design and communication program, uh, doing my PhD. Um, and I'm looking at, uh, looking at digital wastes. So looking at the ways in which people discard digital things. So files, programs, software, whatever, as a way of, um, as a way of understanding like infrastructures of the digital and the way of understanding kind of materialities of the digital. Um, but my particular background is this kind of weird design computer science sandwich. I, um, I did my undergrad in design, did a master's in computer science for various reasons, and now I'm back in design again. And I've spent a lot of, um, my kind of professional life in between doing things that in some form involve programming. So what I'm, one of the things I'm trying to do here is look for sort of inspirations about ways the actual practice of making software can be used as a as a kind of research technique, as a as a method. Um, and one of the things um, one of the things I'm getting sort of getting from this community is uh, ways in which you can kind of you can start investigating the kind of politics of software through the practice of through the practice of making software and through kind of. Mm -hmm sort of challenging some of these, uh, the kind of norms of uh, software development practices in, in industry. Yeah, to come back mm. a little bit to the notion of mm. scaling that you mentioned earlier, I think uh, you said that um, 
kind of there's an often a drive towards scaling, but then implicitly it's often like scaling upwards yes. and never scaling sideways or downwards yeah. or like into oblivion or something. Exactly. But there's like something implicit when we say it's scaling, we say it's scaling up. But I like your research that you're kind of like focusing on those things that are very small and that are hard to maybe scale. That's super interesting because this is... Um so a lot that's been written around about scale and software can recognize exactly this. It's scale isn't about a particular absolute size. When you say software needs to be scalable, you're talking about this kind of, this active verb of scaling something and something have the property of being able to scale. So there's, um, so louder, louder, <laughs> even louder. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch written about this, um, about the idea that like scale, Scaling in software is expansion. So there's a, an essay by Anna Singh um, and another by Alex Hanner and Tina Park who, who go into this a little bit about the idea that um, scaling is to expand. It is only ever in one direction, uh, but it's um, it's also to expand without changing. Like the idea, the idea of something being um, being uh, being scalable is that it can it can grow in scale. It can service more people. It can become more essentially profitable this kind of links back to um kind of the the needs of kind of venture capital and the kind of the economics of of software development um but to do so in a way that doesn't change what the thing does and this um Hannah and Park argue is this sort of has this sort of has this sort of ontological dimension once you get into what they call scale thinking you start um it affects um it frames, actually I have a quote here, it frames how one thinks about what constitutes the world and what problems within it are wor worth solving. So when we're talking about tiny software, we're not talking necessarily about things that are made to be small. We're talking about things that um, kind of question this idea of the ability to scale uniformly and things that um, kind of celebrate difference, celebrate kind of intimacies, interactions and things that can't things that can't be scaled in the same way. Yeah, I read this mm. uh, blog post actually that you kind of started from mm. and it made me slightly nauseous <laughs> because of all the little things that uh, the yeah. author had uh, installed on their computer. It seemed like their desktop is simply out of control. But it also made me a little bit nostalgic, like internet used to be like this. There, there used to be like less... Mm office tools and more crazy software running around. And uh, uh, there's uh, actually, uh, just to kind of, this is more like a remark, but uh, from the 2020 East uh, conference titles that many of uh, us uh, uh, contributed, like our like paper titles, somebody trained a Twitter bot which tweets like STS paper titles. And it is absolutely hilarious because it is so painfully accurate. Like it is not hard for some tiny little 15 lines of Python code to actually get to the bottom, get to the essence of STS. And this is somehow awesome. So this is somehow, yeah, yeah it's just well, really, really nice. It, I mean, it goes into what you, you were saying earlier, Tim, that actually software isn't tiny, but I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know what, if you could clarify that because I mean, lines of code can be so tiny and then they just do massive things or smaller things or bigger things. So I'm just wondering, what do you mean by tininess of it? I don't know if I still fully oh, agree. Okay. So that, um, that's super interesting because I think that like lines of code as a measure of the scale of something is interesting because obviously Try and talk louder. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm shouting. Um, <laughs> no, you're <like>, whispering. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, 
yeah, as you say, like a small amount of software can do a lot and exactly it can be kind of plugged into or change a lot or do change some, yeah. other things. So this is why I think the um, this idea of scalability is things that don't change as they as they come to service more people, as they come to be more visible, as they come to interact with more people is mm. a useful one because you're not again talking about some absolute definition of how how big this thing is, either in terms of kind of bytes taken up or lines or whatever you're talking about. Um, like scalability is a, like a property of how it behaves in the world. You're saying this thing, this thing is a tiny thing is built. Okay. Such that the experience of it will not be uniform as it, as okay. it grows, as it, like services is the wrong word, but like as it is interacted with by more people. Um, so again, tininess as, as with scale is more about more about a sort of set of priorities and a practice than about kind of a a size in itself. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, just so, to move, move yeah. a little, little bit away from this like a size thing. Yeah. Uh, we were communicating earlier and then you kind of s- claim somehow or describe this as like a caring software development mm. practice. Yeah. So what is this? What are you talking about? Like what is this uh, like a care of and what is this in what does care with this tiny weird software Uh, kind of what does it mean in this uh, kind of context of software development? Okay, so this, uh, let me find my part of my notes about this, <laughs> this particular bit. Um, so there's a bit of work by Nick Siever, who's an anthropologist of um, of technology, um, and he works, he did his field work with um, developers of recommender systems, so the things in, you know, in Spotify that say if you listen to such a thing, like a, like a, and one of the things he sort of observed in this field work is that... Um, People working as respondents in this particular community um, talked a lot about both scale and about care. They talked a lot about whether their recommender systems could be made to service lots of users to produce recommendations for lots of people or across a big catalog of music. But they also talked about the kind of the idea that these things should be caring and that they should um, somehow come to sort of know intimately the tastes of their users. And what was interesting in this kind of in the field he was working in is these things were seen as being opposed like you um uh, to, he says to demonstrate its commitment to care a company distances itself from efforts to scale there's this sort of idea in that particular field that care and scale must be opposite caring things cannot be done at scale and scalable things cannot be caring um and i guess there's a caveat here because i like Like Nick, obviously, as an anthropologist, isn't claiming that this is true. He's reporting on something he's seen in the field, and you know doesn't accept this uncritically. And I don't either. But what I think is really interesting, if you start looking at the literature on um, on scale, so the the paper I mentioned earlier, which was the uh, sorry, Alison, and the other one was uh, Alex Hannah and Tina Park, who kind of derived this this idea of uh, uniform scaling and this kind of ontology of scalable thinking, you can compare this to um, some writing on care. One of the things that's very interesting is like, while I don't want to, I don't want to kind of argue for or against this dichotomy, you can see how these things kind of lead to tensions in practice. So one, like one important kind of bit of literature in my work looking at care is Maria Puch de la Bella Casa's book, um, Matters of Care. Um, and she kind of identifies, um, various properties of what it means to care, what a caring practice is, uh, one of which is that it's kind of material and practical. It's a thing you do in the world. Um, it's a thing that involves an effective in- involvement with the object of the object of care. Um, 
And it's also speculative. It's a commitment to building and maintaining preferable worlds. It's a, um, and all of these things are things you see in this kind of, this practice of tiny weird software. It's something that's done in practice. People are building things which make interventions, um, and they're kind of caring about software by, by creating it, by maintaining it, by, um, through a practice. Um, it's, um, it's kind of effectively involved. There's a lovely quote from Natalie Lawhead. Um, she talks about tiny word software bringing something self-aware and humanizing to a space that is otherwise cold and indifferent. It's about kind of having effect or having a kind of effective link to these kind of software objects you're creating. And finally, um, it kind of like articulates this speculative alternative. This goes back to, um, Everest Pipkin's tweet about like, Imagining other forms of infrastructure, other, imagining other internets that are made with these, uh, made with these things in mind. So what you have here is a caring practice in these kind of three senses. It's practical, it's, um, effective involvement, and it's also, it's also this kind of speculative project. You're, you're, you're materializing these kind of other worlds of technology, these other, these other infrastructures to sort of point out the, the kind of shortcomings or the kind of biases or, um, or the kind of politics inherent in the one, the ones that already exist. Yeah, but isn't this a, this is a perfect SDS? It could be otherwise. Thing, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's and really it, great. And where, tell us a little bit, because we have to wrap up. Where will Tim be in, uh, I don't know, a year? Are you going to go, do, do you do field work? Or are you going to do I more d- field? This is my, this is my dilemma at the moment. Like I think, so I mentioned this is, I kind of, um, got interested in this as a way of kind of, I guess, situating my practice, making essentially odd little bits of software, mostly screensavers at the moment, and kind of um, giving it a sort of a kind of grounding as research. But it's, uh, it's, I've reached this sort of junction point where I think this, I, like, I think this community and this particular practice is genuinely interesting in itself. And I would like to, go yeah, into the field. I would like to go into the field mm-hmm. and study this more. Like, obviously, I'm not an ethnographer by background. So, don't let I don't that know, hold like, you yeah, back. like, maybe this is a thing to talk about with anyone else interested. Um, but I guess, like, the thing I was wondering is whether I can kind of combine these things, whether my own practice could be a form of kind of field work, because obviously I'm, I'm working within a community yeah. I can maybe use this as a way of relating to and as yeah, a way of kind of um, yeah as a way of kind of involving myself in these practices to study them more closely and uh, as well as making the things I'm making yeah I definitely yeah. want less mm. Excel and more tiny weird software in my life <laughs> exactly exactly Great. thank you so thank much you. Tim thank thanks you. for being with us Great and thanks to the audience This episode was produced by Paula Bialski, Masi Oyala and Andreas Bischoff and recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology Conference in Madrid on July 7, 2022. Sound editing and music was done by Hates Beats at Hot Milk Productions with special funding from the Chemnitz University of Technology. Special thank you to all the panelists and audience members of our Hacking Everything panel at this year's EAST 2022 conference.